Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, welcome back, everybody. We're going to hook up momentarily with Louis DeBrosk. I just want to read this text. It comes to us from Dex in Airdrie. He says, When are we going to start giving Miko Koskinen some credit? Uh, but why does he struggle so much with handling the puck with Smith being around him for a couple of years? Well, that's a good question. Uh, just in terms of Miko Koskinen, it's, it's, it's a pretty interesting thing. I just, and it would surprise some people, I think. And again, you can text us at 780-496 and then we'll jump to Louis DeBrusque. Miko Koskinen has 76 career wins as a head, as a goaltender for the Edmonton Oilers. Okay. He has tied Curtis Joseph in career wins with the Oilers. He's done it in 25 fewer games. So Koskinen has played in 150, appeared in 152 NHL games. He has 76 wins, 56 losses, and six shutouts. Okay. Uh, now maybe he benefits a little bit because of overtime results. We all love Dwayne Rollison. I certainly did. Dwayne Rollison has two more wins than Koskinen. He's got 78 wins. 193 games played. So the reality of the situation is Koskinen's, you know, 76 and 56 as a goaltender in the National Hockey League. That's not bad. Now you can make an argument the Oilers are a better team. But uh, some there are days that it appears as though Miko's sort of, and, and I think what's happened here with the fans, obviously the fans know that Dave Tippett liked Mike Smith. I think some fans realize that Koskinen's going to have to be part of the short-term solution here at Edmonton. And uh, if they're going to go on a run, they're going to need him. And he's played okay. He's got a good road record. It's interesting. It's interesting that the Texters are mentioning it as well. Guests in the show receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring a night in the town, every meal is an occasion at Roos Chris Steakhouse, 9990 Jasper Avenue. Roos Chris, it's the greatest steak you've ever had. And Daphne and Brendan and Chris will take care of you. As we head off to the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline, we are pleased to be joined by Sportsnet color analyst Louis DeBrusque for GCL Diesel, providing genuine diesel parts and turbochargers at great prices since 1972. GCLDiesel.com. Hello, Louis. How you doing? Doing well today, Bob. How you doing? How was that last night for a game? Pretty good. 
back and forth affair, that's for sure. Yeah, I was... uh... I don't know, given who Edmonton had out of a lineup last night, I don't know how much better they can play, Louie. Yeah, it was a really good team effort, I thought. And I agree with you. I, You know, listen, it, it was a situation where you kind of felt the concern for the players going in. McDavid pregame, Dreisaitl after the game, last game was not too happy with that loss in Calgary. And they put a lot of the emphasis on themselves, just needing to be better. And that's what great players do. They understand how important they are to each team respectively and no different in Edmonton. But overall, I just thought... The first period, and we've seen that on occasion this year where they just come out and as a complete unit play the same way. They were in unison. The forecheck was aggressive. If it wasn't for Sam Sonoff last night in the first period, it could have easily run him out of the building again like they did back in February in the first meeting. Three goals on four shots, but give him credit. You know, that's a great response game for Sam Sonoff, and um, I like the, the resolve by Edmonton, though, even though they were getting goalied, which they've gotten goalied quite a few times this year by the opponent's goaltender, they found a way to continue to stay with it and, and you know, really grit out a win. Just a real hard-fought win against a team that was desperate themselves. Uh, we're going to have Brad Malone on the show later. What a story. Yeah. You know, it, it's such a great story, too. You know, when you listen to him talk, he's really a mature young man. and He... Uh, you know, he has great perspective. You know, that's the one thing I took out of his interview is he understands where he is in his career, what he brings to the table, and that's such a real solid mentality to have for a player to understand what you need to do to be successful. And I think that's why Jay Woodcroft respects him so much and talks so highly of him. You know, had him obviously down in Bakersfield for the last few years and said he's seen his game grow down there. I think there's just that realization when you get to an age that Malone's at now, he says, okay, this is, you know, it's really in perspective for him. And, and you know, just the way he plays the game. He plays sound. Um, he's been physical. We've had him for hit of the game in a couple of the games already um, with a couple of big hits that he's had. And then has a big night with a goal and assist and a huge goal um, to go ahead 3-2 in the game after uh, the Capitals tie it up on Backstrom's 1,000th point. So the emotion on the Washington bench after that goal, they, there's no question they were elevated for Edmonton to grab the reins right back with that goal was a huge goal. And, you know, we won't talk about the 3-3 goal. There was no chance for Koskar on that ripper by Oshie in the high slot with traffic in front goes far down, essentially. But the missed call before that, I don't think the goal should have ever happened because it should have been blown down. But... That's the game of hockey. Calls get missed and things happen, but they found a way. They stayed with it. They didn't get discouraged each time that Washington continued to push back. They found a way to elevate and win a game. And I think that's the most important aspect of the game for me was they stayed with it. A lot of times you can get deflated. When you see a goaltender put up the performance that Sam Solonoff did in the first period, you can go into the dressing room sometimes and say, geez, are we going to get a BB by this guy? This guy is literally stealing the game for this team. But they didn't. They, they just continued to put pucks on net, continued to forecheck and play in the offensive zone and wear down a team. And um, credit to them, that was a real complete effort. All right. You brought it up, uh, and you know where I'm going to go with this. I mean, uh, you know, I was watching it with some of the guys down in Bakersfield last night, and we did not have the volume on uh, in, in the establishment that we were in. And if I could have, I would have thrown my drink at the TV. I was so upset on that. Like, how? It, I mean, it was such a blatant and egregious. I mean, he, Alexander Ovechkin flat out water skied off of Zach Hyman. I actually thought for a second, Louis, that they were going to award the Oilers the goal. Um, and, it, you Which know, you've got to play your. They could have done. What's that? They could have done that, yes. I, you know, it's. It, we've talked about this a lot this year. Bob, and not just this year, in the last couple of years. Uh, I'm not sure how a call like that gets missed. I think everybody in the building 
Oh. Do we lose Louie? He has to take that infraction, right? Yeah. But he didn't get called. Yeah, I was Louie, it was a crazy sequence. And um, and then they end up tying it. And and you know what? You could argue, well, Drysaddle interfered a little in the overtime play on yep. Oshi. You could argue that, and I'm like, well, if they had called that then, uh, hell hath no fury, like Oiter fans scorned in that situation. By the way, because I was watching the game without sound last night, I, just as an observation, did you get a feel? How much just in terms of, uh, was, was, was there a fair amount of booing? Was there a little bit of booing when it came to Ovechkin when he had the puck? Yep, there was a little bit of booing. For sure, there was there was some. It kind of came and went throughout the game, to be honest with you, Bob. Um, but I think I think just the game itself kind of overrode it, to be honest. Yeah. I think people just you know made their statement early, and we understand what's going on there. But they just it was a pretty darn good game, and I think they started to get into it, and you know it, it dissipated at times, got a little more uh, a little higher when it was on the power play when Ovechkin would touch the puck a little bit more. He's not a guy that carries the puck up and down the ice, right? Like say a McDavid. So he he typically in a game will have that puck on a stick for very short periods of time. But yeah, there was some for sure. Two years ago, we were calling Kyler Yamamoto the Honey Badger, which is the ultimate compliment to a smaller player uh, that has relentless pursuit on the puck and competes. In fact, in every sport, right? Teran Matthew uh, out of LSU was the Honey Badger in college football because of how good of a player he was as a uh, you know defensive back and, and went into the and and it was interesting. Just the deployment last night, uh, Jay Woodcroft had an opportunity to work on the power play. Of course, Jay coached the power play here. Tough to argue with what Glenn Gulson has done over the last two and a half seasons, except the Oilers' power play is 24th in the league for the last two and a half months. It had been sliding. Give me your perspective on the first time we saw Yamamoto get a lot of looks in the, the first unit power play for his puck retrieval skills as a net front. What do you think? You know, as a whole, when you look at it, um, you know, I'll touch on Yamamoto a bit, but he, you know, for me, the when you see the first power play, the faceoffs one bam, pucks brought to the net. It was just a mentality early that Bouchard, especially, and that's really for me the next evolution for him is he has to take control back there, and you know, like he did in junior, like he did down in Bakersfield, he has to understand that he's just as vital and important to that power play as McDavid, as Drysdale, as Nugent Hopkins, Kane, Yamamoto, Hyman, whoever's on it, it doesn't matter really. When you're that quarterback back at the blue line, he's got a tremendous shot, and he has to let the opposition understand that if they give him it, he's going to rip it, and that's. Exactly Exactly what he did. Because of that, I truly felt it slowed down the penalty kill a little bit. I think the penalty kill had to go back into a different structure because there's chaos created after that shot. And you give Dreisaitl McDavid a little bit more time, and even if it's just a split second, look out, they're going to make something happen. The Yamamoto backdoor play, um, really crease play. Now, McDavid has tried that multiple times in the last few games with Hyman. And yes. And it just hasn't gone. You know, unfortunately, though, for Zach Hyman, he's in one of those little stretches again for him. He's playing great. He's playing, you know, he had six shots last night. I mean, he's been all over. He's a workhorse. I think his minutes have been elevated, and I think it's taken a toll on him. I truly do. Um, we actually had a graphic built that we just didn't get in last night. But, you know, for him, he's up over almost six minutes above what his career average of ice time is. When you're a guy that plays 200 feet the way Zach Hyman plays in a physical game the way he plays, to play 23-plus minutes, which is what he's averaged over the last nine games, 
almost 24 minutes, yeah. like 23 and a half or whatever it is we worked it out to, that's a ton of minutes. Now, it's, it's, it's by necessity. I understand why the coaching staff is playing him. He's so responsible and reliable. So he's not going to hurt you defensively, but the offense is going to be a little bit tougher to come by because he's fighting the puck a little bit. He doesn't have that sharpness. And um, I think the last minutes, that 17 to 20-minute range, he was just over 20 minutes last night, will bode well for him as they get healthier because then he has a little bit more energy and he'll finish off some of those plays. He's been sniffing around it, and we've seen this before. He'll get back to it. But I like the fact that Jay Woodcroft and the coaching staff yesterday, Glenn Gullitson, everybody converged down. He talked about the small space practice they had and working in real tight, confined areas uh, and then opening it up. So what they did is they started in a small space with the power play to make little plays, get the puck moving, and then gradually they opened it up to the full end zone. What it does is it gives you the perception and the awareness that you do have more time and space than you think, but you also have to make those plays. It was just a real good concept, and it worked. I thought McDavid was moving with the puck, always dangerous when he does. He took that ice that was given to him down the wall. That opened up the scene for him to find Yamamoto. Dreisaitl made a great play just to defend and weather a little bit of a check on the wall and hold on with the patience to get it back to the blue line, which shifted the penalty kill over. This is a great power play. I mean, we've seen this power play snap the puck around. Obviously, they're missing Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who's a key asset. They're missing Tyson Berry, who's a quarterback back there as well. They have options. They have guys they can put into the mix. Yes, Apoliarby is is one of those guys that's just so strong in front of the net. He's big. He takes up a lot of space. Now, he wasn't converting on a ton of those chances, but what he created, like Yamamoto with retrievals, it's a necessity. You have to have it on the power play. So I just think, you know, sometimes the greatest players in the game, and we talk about McDavid and Dreisel all the time, I think they were just two passes with the puck. They were looking for the perfect play. They're trying to make sure they don't turn it over. They want a, that high-quality chance. And sometimes you just need to move around, snap that puck around, find the chance, and that's where they, I think they're their best, and that's what they did last night. They could have easily had a power play goal in every power play. It was, it was yeah, the no, they look, yeah. It's the best in sync I've seen the power play in a long time, and that's a good sign. Well, and it shows you they got a little bit of work in as well, having an actual practice day. That probably helped them out as well. Louis DeBras joins us right now. Bob Stauffer with you on Oilers Now. Louis' appearance is brought to you every Thursday by GCL Diesel, providing genuine diesel parts and turbochargers at great prices since 1972. GCLDiesel.com. Louis, Zach Cassian was activated for last night's game. There was a chance Josh Archibald might play as early as Saturday. How does that change the complexion of the Oilers' forward units, getting Cassian and Archibald back? I think it changes a lot. I mean, Cassian and Archibald are the two most physical forwards on the Oilers. They led the team in hits. They're one-two as far as forwards are concerned in hits. Um, for reasons, the way they play. You know, Josh Archibald is a punishing hitter for his size. So he's fast. He hits. He's physical. He disrupts on the forecheck. Uh, great penalty killer, which I think is always something that we've talked about, which the penalty kill was real solid last night. Um, against a very good power play that's coming around in Washington. We talked about that power play, how people are talking about the Edmonton power play right now for years. Um, they're starting to get their personnel back, and TJ Oshie obviously is the main guy. I don't like the power play goal. Uh, I don't think it was a goal that Costin's going to be happy with, the sharp angle shot by TJ Oshie. And, you know, I was a little critical of the shot just because at six foot seven, I think he can close that off. There wasn't a real threat in front. You knew he was shooting the puck, be aggressive on that, make the first save. It slipped short side on him, which you never like to see, but that's T.J. Oshie, too. He's got a great shot. I mean, this guy's scored in this league for a long time. The ripper at the end of the game with the extra attacker, same thing. It, no chance for Koskinen there, but 
Yeah, you know, I, I think the special teams, something that Duncan Keith said a couple of days ago was you can't rely on your special teams to win you a game. You can't go into a game thinking this is how we're going to win if we win the special teams battle. But they are such a, a powerful weapon to have. A great penalty kill allows you to play aggressive. It allows you to be real strong in front and not afraid to take the odd penalty because you're playing that aggressive because you know you can kill it off. And it can build momentum as well, shutting down a power play. But a power play is vital as well because it's the great equalizer. You can be having a game like last night where a goaltender stands on his head. You go out in the power play, you bang one in. It can really uh, deflate a team just knowing that if they take a penalty, that that power play will make them pay and they play a different way as well. So both sides, I think, just as equally as important and an area that I think both can improve in. So they're working on it. It was good last night. What would you, uh, I mean, it's a given we're going to see Koskinen against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Edmonton played pretty well in that game against Tampa, probably deserved a little bit better fate. This is an absolutely critical uh, homestand. They've got, you know, they got the win against the Caps, they've got four games left. I think they have to get seven or eight points, Louis. What do you think uh, out of these five games at home? What, is, what does Tampa think? He heard you say Tampa, I think. So maybe his ears perked up. Yeah, you know, listen, it's they have to get better at home. You know, they, going into the game last night, they'd lost 11 of the last 16 on home ice. So it's an area you want to be strong at. And it's been it's been kind of a different schedule. They've gone on the road, come back for one game, took off again on the road, come back for one game. It's been just a little different. But this is a stretch where they can put some games together. Um, they're winnable games, and I agree with you. The last game versus the Tampa Bay Lightning, they played a great game. Probably deserved better. You know, when you look at that game um, and the goals that Tampa Bay scored, similar to last night, they were a little bit opportunistic in their goals where you say, okay, you know what? More often than not, we've been pretty strong here, but there's a couple of goals that we're against that certainly are preventable. They're going to have to say, have the same kind of outing. They're going to have to have the same mentality that they had last night against a strong Washington team against the defending Stanley Cup champions in the last two years. They had that approach when they went into Tampa not too long ago, and I thought they played a real sound game. Um, and they're going to need to do the same thing on Saturday night because this team is a formidable team. But I do feel they get up for those games, and that's kind of the fun of it is that you know they're coming in, you're ready for this game, you've had a couple of days of rest, um, go to work and see what happens. Uh, they're turning in the right direction. Final one for you, Louie. Total curveball. Uh, John Anderson is down here with Bakersfield right now with uh, Jay Woodcroft and uh, Dave Manson being promoted. The Oilers needed a coach down on the farm. And we were talking a bit about Todd Gill. And I'm thinking when you played for Norfolk, I, I know he was on the team. I'm not, I don't know whether or not you guys would have crossed paths on that team together. But for the listeners that are maybe unaware, Todd Gill uh, was probably one of the best fighting light heavyweights there was throughout the 1980s and, and uh, you know, late, late 80s into the uh, mid-1990s with the Maple Leafs. And he wasn't always, you know, you'd look at that and you'd go, oh, that guy must be in incredible shape. But he wasn't necessarily, you know, he, he didn't have the body of a guy that was a hell of a fighter as a light heavyweight. Did you end up playing with him that season? You recall Todd Gill at all? I, I did, yes. I, I've known Gilly for a long time. And uh, I used to work the Wendell Clark Hockey School in Toronto in the summertime. And we would skate afterwards. After we worked with the kids all day, we would have the pro skate. And that was the greatest thing for us youngsters that were working. We got to skate with a lot of Leafs who come out and, 
Uh, Todd Gill was one of them would come out all the time, but you're right. He was a really tough customer. I, I remember a fight he had with Joey Kosher. I mean, he, back in the day, he would fight a heavyweight like Joey Kosher and he could hang in there. Um, you know, just because he was smart, he was tough. He could take a punch, but he could protect himself well. And he had that wiry strength. You know, he was, you know, he wasn't the biggest of guy. If you saw him, you know, out of his gear, you'd say, how is this guy so physical with the build that he has? But he was just old school sinewy, you know, <laughs> Just, just a wiry guy, but brave as they come. Funny story about John Anderson, though. Um, my very first ever hockey game that I ever went to, an NHL hockey game, I believe I was 11 or 12. It was early 80s. And uh, Buffalo Sabres versus the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I snuck down from the nosebleeds. My dad got tickets way up in the in the rafters, and I snuck all the way down and was sitting beside the bench. Rick Five was on the bench. I literally was right beside the least bench. You weren't going to prevent me from getting down to ice level once I was in that building. And as I was walking back around, um, John Anderson actually scored a goal that night that he put it through the net. Now, back then, they didn't have video replay, so they didn't go back and look at the video and say, oh, yeah, the puck went in the net. How they judged whether or not the puck went in the net was they checked the mesh. So they would check the mesh every single – the beginning of every single period. The officials would go around and stretch the net to make sure there was no holes. And John Anderson put his shot right through the net and the netting and they ended up counting the goal because there was a hole in the top right hand corner of that net pretty remarkable story when he was coaching in the national hockey league i asked him about it and he remembered it was it was kind of funny but just the things you remember when you're a young kid i mean that was my first nhl game and i remember that puck going through the net and at that time for to see someone put a puck actually through the net fascinated me so um yeah kind of a cool story about john anderson good guy uh, five time 30 goal score he could snipe back in the day oh, louis yeah. great stuff uh i look forward to seeing you in person early next week thank you for joining us yeah hope you're well bud you sound good and yeah look forward to seeing you all right there you go that is louis debras for gcl diesel it's 1254 in edmonton uh, we'll come back with the orders now injury report for james h brown when we return subscribe to the oilers now podcast available on apple podcasts google podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts oilers now with bob stopper on 630 chat It's from Radley. He says, Bob, we've always heard and seen time and time again how when players miss out on even just training camp, it can take a while to get their game legs back under them. Josh Archibald has missed training camp in 75% of the season. In addition, he's recovering from myocarditis. Yes, he's been working out, but we all know in-game is a different beast. I do not think we can have the same expectations of Arch when he comes back as we did in previous seasons. I look at Nylander when he was holding out in Toronto and how he performed when he finally got back. I just don't think Arch will be as big of a positive impact as many are hoping that he will be. That one comes to us from Radley. Radley? That is an entirely fair perspective to have. You can sit there and that's... Logic dictates it's hard to get up and running three quarters of the way through the season, especially coming back from something like myocarditis. We shall see. It's up to Archibald to prove otherwise. And uh, it's going to be a challenge. I think that's fair. Oilers Now Injury Report is brought to you by James H. Brown, Injury Lawyers, Unrivaled Experience, Unrivaled Commitment, Unrivaled Results. 
Trent Brown, probably unrivaled as the best football player out of the Alberta Golden Bear program in the last 35 years. Went on to be an all-star safety for the then-named Edmonton Eskimos. All right, Josh Archibald closing in on a return coming off of myocarditis. Mike Smith and Tyson Berry were on the ice early today. Uh, would not surprise me if Barry, who's been out with an oblique that he hurt in the warm-up in Chicago, might be back in by Saturday. I could see that being potentially there, and that will change the complexion of the makeup of the Oilers' defense. Zach Cassian and Evan Bouchard. Bouchard had an illness. Cassian, the upper body issue from the uh, the fracture that he took in his cheekbone. They were both in last night. R&H and Pulley-Arby are longer term, two to three weeks. We already mentioned Oscar Clefbaum on today's show, done for the year with LTIR. Kyle Turris now on LTIR with uh, upper body challenge as well. 12.58 in Edmonton. We will... Uh, Head off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Kevin Weeks for Canadian Power Pack when we come back on Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.